This podcast is an adaptation of the live radio broadcast of On Wisconsin, containing just the discussion segment. Next time, to catch the whole episode, tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. on 91.7 FM Madison or streaming worldwide on WSUM.org. Thank you and enjoy. For those of you who are just tuning in, this is our first episode back from the summer. So we're going to do our little summer news recap of the big stories that we missed while we were gone. Um, First, a disclaimer, the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. With that, we're going to start with probably the biggest national news story of the summer. Um, Ray, what do you have to tell us? Yes, so I will be talking a little bit about Trump and his indictments. Um, So for those who are just, like, who haven't heard a lot about it, so on August 14th, Trump and 18 others were indicted on charges related to alleged efforts to essentially overturn the presidential election results. Um, So this is the fourth criminal case that Trump is currently facing. Um, He pleaded not guilty and waived an in-court appearing, so because, like, Georgia allows you to like waive your in-court presence Mm -hmm. if you're like yeah (laughs) um so the indictment in total has 41 counts and then 13 of them are against trump specifically um in total across his four cases he faces 91 charges um his first indictment was in march um so the georgia case which is the most recent case it accuses that trump and the other defendants quote unlawfully conspired and endeavored to conduct and participate in a criminal enterprise, end quote, after Trump had lost the election in Georgia. So aside from Trump, the former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, is the highest ranking White House official to be charged in this indictment. So after Trump had his mugshot taken at the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta, Georgia, his campaign reported that it it had the highest grossing fundraiser for the entire campaign. So it raised $4.18 million. We were talking about this on break about his like, his mugshot and then how it's like secretly a campaign tool yeah Um, like he definitely he definitely intentionally posed for that yeah like it was intentional a thousand percent (laughs) and there's like so much merch for it too um so the campaign has been selling various mugshot merchandise since the photo was released and i think the highest grossing one was like a t-shirt or something Mm -hmm. with the mugshot on it Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy um yeah i know yeah I know that Lexi posted like funny memes to her <laughs> close friend story on Instagram with like the mugshot and I it like flagged it on my Instagram when I was viewing through it that it like it might yeah. be disinformation which I thought was really funny. Yeah, because there was an edited version of it that was going yeah. around. Um or not even edited, it was just like an AI. Yeah. Um and it got flagged for yeah. me, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Trump's other three cases are indictments on business fraud charges in New York related to an alleged affair. Um, And then the other charge is related to a classified document in Florida. And then the third one is charges of interfering with the 2020 election related to the January 6th of 2021 attack on the Capitol. So he currently has four trials that are getting scheduled so the first one is for march 25th 2024 for the new york charges may 2024 for the florida charges march 4th 2024 for the trump v the united states case 
Um, and then, yeah, I feel like many people have been asking the big question surrounding like all of his criminal cases, which is, can he still run and potentially serve as president is mm-hmm. if he has been convicted? And I was like, you don't even understand. I was reading like a 97 page document on this that was like from the Department of Justice just to try to figure out what the answer was, um, was like sleuthing to try to find mm-hmm. it. And in short, technically, yes. Um, So some legal experts have said that Trump technically could still be president if he's convicted um, because like, I don't know, there's like not a like in the like, like there's never been a a thing saying not, you know, like, like you can't vote. You can't vote if you're. Yeah. So like interesting in in the rules. Well, not the rules, but like the eligibility to be president Mm -hmm. essentially is like you have to be 35. You have to be like a citizen or like you have to like have lived in the U.S. for X amount of years, mm-hmm. nothing about, like, never been convicted. So, technically... No, they didn't think of that. They didn't think that would technically, be Technically, they issue. said, yeah. Um, so, other legal experts, though, have said that they might play the 14th Amendment card. So, that basically would keep Trump from holding the office if he's convicted. Um, yeah, and then in terms of, like, self-pardoning, so, like, if Trump got convicted before the election, then he tried to grant himself pardon if he hypothetically won the election. Oh. Um, that's also a possibility. That's interesting. <laughs> um, it's actually unknown, like, if he could actually do that, because no one's ever tried to do that. Like, no yeah. president <laughs> ever tried to self-pardon himself. Um, has it come up? Yeah, <laughs> it, it has. not an issue thus far. It really has not been a question <laughs> yet. Um but I know that, like, in 2018, Trump claimed on social media that, like, he w- like that he wanted to self-pardon himself or that, like, he could self-pardon himself as president. So it's in his mindset. It's in his. Well, it's from 2018. Who knows if he still remembers it? But yeah. So interesting thoughts to think about as we approach the next presidential election in 2024, which I think right now he's still leading for the Republican candidate, which is, which I was like reading this CNN article earlier that was like everyone's reactions to, to the indictments, Mm -hmm. to the fourth indictment. And I know that like they interviewed a series of more right-leaning people and they were all like, this actually just makes him a better president. Um, like, <laughs> like people make mistakes. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was really, I, I thought it was really interesting to see all the different responses, all the varied responses, mm-hmm. and how many people said they would still vote for him, even if it, like, even if he did. It's interesting how much of a hold he has over the entire country's politics yeah. still because he wasn't yeah. at the last republican debate but mm-hmm. he was still like he's still leading the, it the very very large elephant in the room like yeah and it felt like everyone there was trying to yeah you know like like bring it to back his, to him yeah either like kate like cater to his audience yeah um it's just interesting because trump has shaped i would say a very particular like not fan base but like following so to say like metaphorically like a lot of the people that vote for him have very like I don't want to say like not extreme is not the word I'm trying to use but they all have a very similar mindset and so I feel like a lot of the new Republican candidates are trying to just mimic that right yeah definitely yeah Mm -hmm. does anyone else have thoughts on this 
I think what's very difficult about um, other candidates for uh, the presidency, specifically Republicans, is they have to kind of take a stand um, as to whether or not they support um, Mm -hmm. former President Trump. And that can both help and hurt them, um, depending on what they choose. Yeah, Yeah. because the ones who, or from what I noticed watching, I didn't watch the whole debate, but... Um, if they said anything like that seemed like it was anti-Trump, there was like boos from the crowd. <gasps> wow. And so it's like you either, I feel like they either have to, you know, if they're running for president, they have to cater to like a majority of people in the whole of the U.S. But then you're going to get like all of these Trump supporters really angry at you. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting to see them all trying to like walk that line. I think like it's going to be interesting to see too how that kind of... um how they're catering to audiences changes if someone other than Trump gets the nomination Mm -hmm. because like you said like they are trying to cater to like that group of Trump followers but that group didn't win the Republicans the presidency and probably won't if they do that same tactic so if someone other than Trump gets the nomination there might be like a a whole like 180 in how they start addressing people and what topics they feel passionate about and who they're leaning towards yeah Mm -hmm. i'm really interested to see how this is going to affect politics in wisconsin specifically Mm -hmm. especially because of our status as a swing state i know that in 2020 um like ended up being a democrat majority and of course biden was elected and in 2016 i think the majority voted for trump and he was the president in 2016 and also like even just within this month like and um even like the past few weeks there have been so many um like rallies and and things going on in build up to 2024 to next year so it's been i don't know i feel like this is gonna be really interesting to see how things go down especially in wisconsin but also like on campus yeah i feel like for Wisconsin as a swing state specifically they have a lot of considerations you know like like abortion laws Mm -hmm. and then like Dane County was this summer declared a trans sanctuary which is like Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff about gender affirming care and like stuff for people of LGBTQ identities has been like coming up in Wisconsin in particular so I think those stuff will really come into play like not just in our not just in the presidential election but also in like the Wisconsin specific ones yeah and the last debate was in Milwaukee and I think the I believe it's the RNC is going to be in Milwaukee too this year really or next year that's so interesting I can't remember I should have looked that up but um yeah Yeah. it'll be interesting to watch yeah, I know I saw Kamala Harris is like coming she here is in October. In October, mm-hmm. yeah. Is, so definitely, that'll be that'll be news. Interesting state to live in. Yeah, yeah. at this time. <laughs> and I think Bernie's coming on Thursday. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, there's like there's like um, Cat Fest is hosting an Ideas Fest. Ideas I'm not Fest, sure what it's called. Yeah. yeah, but like they're gonna have a bunch of people speaking. Like I know that Manukin and some other people are gonna give a talk about like free speech and stuff. Oh wow! So yeah, lots happening. Yeah, nice. Um, anyone have any final thoughts before we switch to our our second recap second topic? All right, um, I'm gonna hand it over to Carson with another very different update yeah, from this summer. I was gonna say, um, so I feel like that was definitely like the biggest political news. I think the biggest news that wasn't political was probably the headlines that everyone else was seeing for like maybe a month even after this happened. So. In June this summer, the Ocean Gate submersible imploded on its journey to the seafloor in an attempt to visit the Titanic. 
All five passengers on board, including the company's CEO, Stockton Rush, were killed. This story took over headlines for the four days spanning between the announcement of the submersible's disappearance and then when the debris was discovered by the U.S. Coast Guard. The journey, the subsequent tragedy, and recovery effort were controversial and attracted a lot of discussion. Um, so the tourist trip to the Titanic had attracted media attention for the past few years while they were hosting expeditions to the wreck. Seats on the submersible were available for a cool $250,000 <laughs> and open to anyone over the age of 17. Prior to the implosion, many experts were extremely skeptical about the safety or lack thereof of the Titan. The hull was mainly made up of carbon fiber, which was a really dangerous choice of material for a deep sea voyage. Um, the CEO, Stockton Rush, his background was in aerospace engineering, where that material is commonly used. However, you'll go under the ocean and there's countless atmospheres of pressure being forced on it. That's just not going to go well in most yeah. scenarios. And it didn't. He <laughs> did like... Um, small-scale tests of um, models under that amount of pressure and they imploded and he still went through with oh it oh my god he that their um like pr team put out a statement just saying that like they now understand the like the capabilities of carbon fiber which is like such an interesting take on yeah. like something <laughs> going wrong um the former director of marine operations, David Lockridge, expressed his concern over that material amongst like countless other problems. He found things zip-tied to the inside of the hull, um, bolts that weren't fully screwed in. Just like he, he referred to one of the components as being like Swiss cheese, which like <laughs> if you're going to go with into water, I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, and... Russia's reaction to that critical inspection was to fire him and move forward with operations. Um, among these shocking safety hazards, the public also expressed concern over the effort that was put into the search for the Titan. Millions of dollars were spent by the U.S. Coast Guard and specialists from France and Canada that were to fall on the backs of taxpayers. Um, I think one source was saying that $6.5 million was spent to locate the eventual debris of the Titan. Um, and many expressed their concern for having to pay for the search due to the lack of sympathy for the ultra wealthy that were on that ship who signed waivers. Um, and at the same time, there was a migrant boat that sank with between 400 and 800 people on it um, and had a controversial lack of effort to recover the passengers. Um, apparently, the, the Greek Coast Guard was saying that um, they did as much as they could before like extreme weather forced them to go back inland um, but a survivor was saying that like there was still I think there's around 300 people still missing mm. that number might be a little bit off but um, they, they were basically just like kind of furious with the effort saying that yeah. they tapped out way too early um, and yeah, this story remains one of, like, the more bizarre spectacles from this year yeah. um, and kind of a reminder that, like, you can't be invincible in the ocean. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of people have been talking about, like, the safety. I know James Cameron, who directed the Titanic, and mm -hmm. is, like, a fanatic about... Vince should be here. Vince should be here. with the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it, it's just incredible. Like, 
there's so many articles like prior to when that happened where people were like just expressing concern and yeah. a lot of um that's them said that Stockton Rush had just like a giant ego about it and kind of felt like nothing was gonna get him and like quite a crazy way to go out yeah. <laughs> that is a crazy yeah. way to go out and you were telling me that what was it Stockton oh, Rush's yeah, wife his wife his now widow Wendy Weil is her name she is a descendant of um, the Strauss family, who they're the founders of the company Macy's. Um, and Strauss and his wife were on the Titanic and died <laughs> on the Titanic. They're like portrayed in the movie Titanic, where they're like the old couple lying in bed together, like choosing to go down instead of getting in a lifeboat. <laughs> and yeah, so she's like the heiress to the to Macy's. And like the great grandchild of people that died on the Titanic, and but now the widow of a now guy the widow of the guy who died, died trying to find it. And <laughs> I, I learned that she her cousin is King Princess. There's so, so much. There's so much. I love King Prince Lord. I know, there's story. just like layers. <laughs> oh anyway, my God. yeah. So, I just remember reading that and like having such conflicted emotions about it right. because like the realest part of me was like they probably aren't alive but like i think in like a way that i've seen so many movies i was like what if they're trapped yeah. down there yeah because for a while it was like nobody knew what happened yeah, to no them one knew. and like there was like a countdown of like ha- people were like this is how, how many hours of yeah. oxygen they have and then it came out that no it just like yeah. imploded and like, the, th- the thing that i also think is crazy is like I th- i'm pretty sure the navy knew what happened and still mm-hmm. like um i wouldn't say like covered it up but made it seem like there was hope um they have like microphones on the bottom of the ocean to listen for like more like submarines of war than Uh anything but um they picked up the sound of the implosion because that's crazy loud but they they still like i don't know the way they were portraying it was like these people might be alive and they definitely weren't yeah i think the chances of them being alive were Slim. very, very yeah. but can you imagine what would happen if they were presumed dead and then they realized yeah. they yeah. were actually alive I feel like <laughs> it'd be really bad on their yeah. part yeah. yeah it's interesting though that people were so like this was the huge story and people were like mm-hmm. oh maybe maybe they're alive then you're talking about those like 300 people yeah. that they yeah. like, didn't care about Obama came out with a tweet yeah. being like no one's speaking about this right. and like because I think a lot of people were like arguing in like it was kind of like an eat the rich mentality where they're like yeah. how are we putting all of our effort, effort, efforts toward this and what obama was saying like well no one's even talking about this so like maybe let's screw on our heads and like right. put some sympathy towards like those people on that ship who yeah. like, we don't even know like i mean I, they're still missing and this happened in june so yeah i mean you can presume things but that's still crazy yeah yeah that is definitely one of the craziest stories to come out of yeah this year like the more i learned about it i was just like what's going on yeah um anyone else have any thoughts all right i'm gonna hand it over to hiwan with our next story from the summer yeah i remember seeing a ton of stories about the maui fires um that was really big uh, I think on August 8, wildfires swept across across Maui and killed at least 97 people, making it um, one of the nation's deadliest disasters. The authorities originally said that 115 people had died in the fire, um, but they announced super recently on Friday that they had actually overstated the death toll, um, which was actually really surprising. Um, yeah. 
there's still so many people who are missing, but basically what they found out um, is that forensic examiners determined that they actually had multiple sets of remains for the same person. For example, 16 oh. and yeah, and 16 of the remains that they had found were non-human, so like it was animals. Um, and also, it's been really, really slow um, identifying the victims because of the large-scale destruction and Maui's remoteness. And also, just... Um, like trying to find these people without fingerprints or dental records that can be used to identify the human remains. Um, officials have resorted to DNA testing, but because of the shortage of DNA samples from the victim's close family members, it's already slowing the really painstaking process. Um, and just in general, forensic analysis and DNA testing can take months or even years to identify the dead. Um, as we saw with 9-11, uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina, and the wildfire that devastated Paradise, California. Um, in August, Governor Josh Green of Hawaii and other officials did acknowledge that it is a possibility that some of the dead might never be found or identified, which I can't believe, like, being some of these people's loved ones and, yeah. and you know, having to face that reality. Um, meanwhile, the list of people missing has been whittled down to 31 names from an initial count of thousands, um, and Maui County has publicly identified 63 victims after notifying their families um, but still, there are dozens more whose whose remains have not yet been identified, um, and it is possible that they account for some or all of those missing. Um, and now, uh, I think a really big question is, well, how are the residents of Maui and Hawaii been affected? So Governor Green did say earlier this month that 6,000 displayed displaced residents are staying in Maui hotels, while another 1,100 are in Airbnb rentals. Um, the American Red Cross is giving residents meals, mental health support, and financial help. Um, and the Federal Emergency Management Agency has given approximately $19 million in aid. Uh, but still, residents in West Maui are, are really frustrated, and they're saying that they need more help than they're getting from the government right now. And, they, and the Hawaii Tourism Authority has approved $2.6 2 .6 million marketing $2.6 million marketing plan on August 31st to encourage travel to Maui because an early estimate um, says that about $5.5 billion is what they need to repair the damages in West Maui as well as the economic revival of a tourism-dependent island. But in an emergency proclamation signed on September 8th, Governor Green said that the guidance that discouraged non-essential travel to West Maui would be discontinued on October 8th with the exception of um, Lahaina. I'm not sure if I'm saying the name of it correctly, but I remember like after news of the fires just broke out, I saw this video of a resident of Maui being so angry that that the residents there are grieving um, lost family members and friends, and they're just tourists swimming in those same waters where yeah, they could, yeah. where so many people died. Um, and another really big question to the story is, well, why did the fires happen in first place? And it seems like experts are kind of looking into multiple different possibilities. Uh, for example, there were active power lines that had fallen um, and high winds that ignited the fire and ultimately consumed uh, Maui. Um, the electric company Hawaiian Electric said that, yes, their power lines ignited a fire early on the morning of August 8th, but that their lines weren't carrying any current by the time, the fl uh, by the time flames erupted in the mid-afternoon and destroyed Lahaina. Um, but also Hawaii saw worsening drought conditions, and that probably contributed to uh, the the scale of devastation. Um, about 16% of Maui County was in a severe drought at the time of the blaze, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Um, but a longer-term worry is the changing climate, because the area burned by wildfires in Hawaii each year has quadrupled in recent decades, which mm -hmm. is significant. 
Um, and there's also a bunch of other stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a big weather or science person, but apparently there's also this thing where like invasive grasses that had like left the island like more susceptible to wildfires and climate oh. change, and it's worsened like the dry and hot conditions in the state. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the tourism thing is I also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say yeah, like it feels like bad taste to go to like yeah. a disaster zone. Yeah. Um, but if that's what they're incurred, that's like so weird. I would yeah. feel very like a, an emotional toll if I was mm-hmm. yeah. visiting. That's, I wonder if you said that that's what like the officials are encouraging is that do you have any idea if that's what people there like residents um, think too or is there kind of a disconnect well I think because okay so as I said there are a few thousand displaced residents who are living mm-hmm. in like Airbnbs and hotels so I feel like residents are kind of in no place or like even the small or like the businesses there are no place to receive guests right now um but it's also really hard because the the economy of like hawaii in general is so so dependent on tourism um it's hard and it's like how do you make the choice between okay we need this money to rebuild but also being in a state where you need to grieve or you're not in a capacity where you can receive visitors yeah yeah i'm not sure how how they're um dealing with that right now you know it's it's a pretty complex story i feel yeah for sure yeah Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to keep following that um, because I feel like a lot of these natural disasters people kind of forget about it after the fact Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah any final thoughts before we wrap up this our first on Wisconsin of the semester all right well with that thank you for tuning in to On Wisconsin news reported by Badgers for the rest of Wisconsin I'm Lexi Spevacek I'm Hewan Lim. I'm Carson Kloss. I'm Brooke Cotton. I'm Ray Kirsch. Thanks again. Tune in next week.